Mary Lou said, I heard he's not just the miracle maker, he's the way maker. Yeah. He breaks every chain. Amen? Wow. It's a good day today. Amen. So how many moms? Just raise your hands. I know we had you sitting, standing, and all that today. Wow, it's a lot of moms. There's a lot of correction in the room. I'm not going to talk about the spankings and all that because everybody has their own different methods. Yeah. I knew I was in trouble the day I took the flask water from my mother and bent it in two. That's teenage hormones, man. You're not going to spank me with that again. Oh, man. My dad said, really? <laughs> flask water? Do you think a flask water is bad? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out so good. I guess in the end it did because I, I learned a lesson. A seed of learning, yes. Hey, Nay, Nay, what's up back there? How you doing? Okay. Smile. God loves you. Come on. Rodney, give me a little elbow. Okay. Well, good morning. Yeah, I saw that video from Jeff this morning. I just thought, man, I, I complained about this and I complained about that. And, and, um, you know, we just get all, I know we all have things in our life that, that get, get under our skin, and, and yet Jeff just sitting, he's, he's there, he's bald-headed again, you know, he's lost all of his hair, and he's just speaking life. He's speaking faith. He's speaking to us. He's encouraging us. It's beautiful. Faith is so, so full in him, and he's been hurting and hurting and hurting. His blood counts. Everything's coming up, but it's a slow, slow process. And uh, But everything we're praying for is happening. So I don't know if you're watching, Jeff, but y'all turn around, look at the camera, say, Jeff, we love you. Just turn around and tell him. <laughs> uh, miss him up here, don't y'all? Denver's, Denver's awesome. Denver's just not as tall. I don't know the deal. We have an awesome band, right? I mean, and they just... Jeff, one of the things he says, how's the band doing? Are they stepping up? I said, yeah, they're stepping up. He's just, man, he's, you know, he started something. He wants to see it go forward, whether he's here or not. So today is uh, the fourth part of our Risen series. A lot of people thought, well, we're going to do Risen just for Resurrection Day. But now, actually, there's a lot to being a resurrected person. There's a lot to living a risen life. And last week, we talked about how to walk a risen life. How, do we, how, do, how does that look? But today, and, and I don't normally preach a Mother's Day sermon, and I guess this kind of is, but the Lord just showed me, he said, we're risen, we've been raised up to raise other people up. And if there's any more important people in life that raise up other people, it's parents, it's moms and dads, you, you've got the most important job to raise up your children. I mean, if, you know, there's a lot of ministers that miss that. They, they raise up everybody else's kids, but they forget to raise up their own kids. And I'm so thankful that God didn't come into the ministry till I, my kids were raised up and they were gone from home. You know, now they're preacher's kids, but they weren't back then. Uh, but they are now, and they're 36 and 40. So uh, they, they don't have any problems with us being pastors. But a lot of times we, we've missed our focus and on how to, to raise kids because we're busy, just busy. And so this morning, we're going to talk about legacy. We're going to talk about 
uh, a young man that needed a spiritual dad. He already had a grandmother and a mother that were, were pouring into him, but he needed a spiritual father, and he found the spiritual father in the Apostle Paul. So today we're going to talk about legacy. Legacy means anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or a predecessor. Now, your legacy can be good or bad, and I, and I know that this morning because some of you think, well, I haven't been a good father, I haven't been a good mother, haven't been a good son or a good daughter, whatever it is. But the thing about Christ is that he always gives us another opportunity. So if you've come in here this morning and you've messed up as a parent, guess what? You get a do-over. I don't, even care. I don't care if your kids are gone from home. You still get a do-over because God is the God of do-overs. He's the God of second and third and fourth and however many chances because he loves his children so much he's going to give you every opportunity to be a good mother to be a good father to good be a good son or a good daughter but there's some things we need to know about this thing called legacy because you know normally i preach about legacy you know what i normally preach about it at funerals what did you leave what did you pass on to your children now listen how do you want your funeral to be preached have you seen the t-shirt says live your life in such a way that the the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral it's a big t-shirt in other words leave a leave a good legacy for your kids don't leave a bad legacy because even right now maybe it's looking not so good but god says no it can all change i'm the god of the impossible so if you have your bible uh, turn to second timothy chapter one i'm sure many of you already know these passages but I want to spend some time just mainly in 2 Timothy today uh, because it's such... This is... Paul has met this young man in Lystra and he's met his grandmother and his mother and he's made a connection with him and they apparently his grandparents and his mother led him to the Lord and he met him, but now Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison and he is... This is more than likely the last letter that he wrote. Now, if you had a last letter you're going to write your kids, wouldn't it be pretty important that you read it and understood it? Because that's what Paul is doing. He's writing his last, pretty much like his last will and testament. And here's the thing. He wants to pour into to Timothy, just like Jesus did with the disciples toward the end of his earthly, when he was on earth. He poured into his disciples. Remember the last few chapters of John. They're all about him teaching them, getting them ready for his exit. So Timothy, and Paul's doing the same thing with Timothy. He said, Timothy, I know I'm in prison, but I've got to teach you some things. You're pastoring a mega church. I understand that. But there's some things you've got to understand too if you're going to continue on the legacy that I've given you. And because Timothy carried it on, and because all the other disciples carried it on, we are here today proclaiming the gospel message. And if you want your grandkids and your great-grandkids to know the gospel message and have it in their heart, then you've got to leave a legacy. You've got to pass it on, parents. Don't leave it to the church to do it. Don't leave it to the... Please don't leave it to the school systems. Don't leave it to to their buddies. Don't let your kids learn about sex from their buddies. That's where I learned about it from. My mother and daddy was in in the 50s or 60s, and it's like they, they didn't want to tell me anything about anything. I had to learn it from all my buddies. And you know where they learned it from? Their buddies. Talk about getting messed up. I'm serious, guys. You have a perverted view of sex and everything when you learn it from your buddies. But if you learn it from godly parents, it's different. That's not my message. That's an extra. So I just know everybody, you get their attention when you start talking about sex in church. Huh? Yeah, see, you're listening. Second Timothy 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. The first thing you need to understand is that everybody has a call. 
Paul knew his calling. He knew he was an apostle. He knew he was a church starter. He knew that he was affecting generations and generations to come in our generation. He affected it back 2,000 years ago. Guess what? 2,000 years ago from now, if Christ tarries, and we don't know. I mean, everybody thinks it's the last days. But what if he's not? No, I'm just, no. But how is our legacy going to look down the road? I'm here because I have a godly mother that prayed for me, that interceded for me. My dad was not a godly dad, but my mother prayed for me. She was on her knees every night. Listen, if you're a mom and you got teenagers, you need to be on your knees every night. And dads, you need to be on your knees every night. Every one of us. Listen, Paul said, I'm an apostle by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. That's the resurrected, the risen life that Paul's talking about. But here's the thing. Everybody has a calling on their life. Say, I have a calling from God. Now, listen, only way you're going to know that is if you listen to God. You may have a prophet speak into your life and say, this is what I see. This is what I see. But you need to hear, too. You need to hear it and have confirmation. You need to hear from God. You have a calling on your life. Well, I don't know. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't think I will ever be a preacher. I didn't say be a preacher. I didn't say be a prophet. God has a calling on your life. And number one calling is to know him as his Lord and Savior. In 2 Timothy, verse 2 says to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He was a spiritual son. He was a spiritual son. How many of you have spiritual kids all across the room? You know what you've done? You know why you call yourself a spiritual parent? Because you poured into their life. And we're going to see some things this morning that I hope that you'll take to heart and how you're going to pour into those lives and how you're going to leave a legacy that honors God. A legacy of prayer. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Man, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a prayer. He knew that prayer was important. He knew that prayer saved lives. He knew that prayer was going to be, was going to be instrumental in seeing Timothy through the tough times because Timothy was going to face some tough, tough, tough persecution. Emperor Nero was going to come in and try to destroy the church like he destroyed Paul and killed and crucified Paul. We're not sure how he died, but many people believe he was crucified. Some say he was beheaded. In the Roman prison. Here's the thing. A lot of you think, well, he was in prison. That's all he had to, all he had time to do. I mean, he could just write and pray. That's all he, I mean, he had plenty of time. What else could he do? How many of you, when you have any spare time, are you in prayer? You know what? We can always find something else to do, right? It's really easy to find something else to do. Click, 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 mindless, click, 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 mindless, mindless, mind, you know. Or, We can find things to fill our lives with. Paul said, I'm going to pray. He prayed day and night. Here's the thing. Paul wanted to preach. But he couldn't preach, so what did he do? He prayed. Some of you can't do what you really want to do, but you can pray. Verse 5, a legacy of faith. When I call the remembrance of genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Paul was a man of faith, and he was speaking faith over his spiritual son, Timothy. He's calling it a genuine faith. Do you know what, what he means by genuine faith? 
It means faith without hypocrisy. He's talking about faith that's really that acts out as faith. He's talking about a real, genuine faith. He said, I see that in you. Timothy, I see that, that faith, that genuine faith in you, and I know that it came from your grandmother, Lois. Now, Lois is interesting. The word Lois means agreeable. And the word, and the mother, your mother's name was Eunice, and her name means good victory. Mary Lou's mother's name is Eunice. And I said, do you remember what, Mary, what your mother's name means? She said, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure, but I'm not sure. And I said, it means good victory. Here's the thing about it, because this came up in the women's conference. It was kind of cool. And when you look, break it down the Greek, it's you, which means good, and Nikea, which means victory. Guess where we get the, t- the, the T-shirts and the tennis shoes? It says what? Nike. You Nike. Eunice. Good victory. So he had a heritage. He had a legacy of a grandmother that spoke into his life and taught him the Holy Scriptures. He had a mother named Eunice that was a, a victorious woman that wanted to teach her son. Listen, his dad was not even a believer. Timothy's dad was not a believer, so he needed a spiritual father. Some of you this morning, you need spiritual parents. Some of you know who you are that need to be spiritual parents. And you know somebody that God's already put in your path to start raising up, start start speaking life into. It doesn't have to be you're going to spend 10 hours a week with them. It it could just be you're going to start texting them and saying, listen, God is with you today. He is for you. He's not against you. And I'm here for you. If you need anything, call me. You need to leave a legacy of faith, a genuine faith. And Paul also knew this. And and I I know we preach it and teach it, but you have to understand that some of you may be fairly new. But you understand this. Just because your grandmother's a Christian and your mother's a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. It's just that way. You've got to make all these little children up here this morning. They all look so cute. But they've got to make a decision at some point in their life to follow Christ. But guess what? They get a great big head start when mom and dad are teaching them and exampling it and teaching them how to follow Christ through their example. The next thing is a legacy of boldness. Verse 6 and, 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 and 7. Beautiful passage that most people know, but we need to look at this quickly. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? A power and love and a sound mind. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. You need to learn that verse. But it's also good to learn the verse before it. To stir up the gift that's within you. You see, a lot of people think, I want somebody else to stir the gift up in me. See, everybody's been gifted. If, you're, if you know Jesus Christ, he's gifted you. But some people allow the, the gift. They think the gift is just going to spring forth and do its own thing on, in its own timing. And God says, no, I've given you a gift. Paul says, Timothy, I've laid my hands upon you. You have a gift. And he said, this gift is not really activated until you activate it. We, we keep thinking, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, when God does it through me. But God says, listen, stir it up. It's like the fire is there, but the fire is going out. I know Christians that the fire is just barely a glimmer. There's barely, a, there's barely an ember still just burning a little bit. Because they've been hurt, they've been disappointed, they've been offended, and they let the fire just begin to, oh, it just goes, oh, you know, have you ever been around a campfire and it just starts going quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter and the fire, the flames just keep going, all you see is a ember, what do you do to get the fire going again? What do you do? Stir it up. What happens when you stir it up? And you throw some more sticks on it. It starts, the flame comes back up. And he said, 
Timothy, I need you to stir up the gift that's within you. Here's the thing, because Timothy was afraid. Timothy was timid. Timothy had a lot of issues with fear. And so he said, I, you know, you've got this gift, Timothy. And, and the, God has given you not the spirit of fear, but he's given you power and love and a sound mind. So he's speaking to the fear right there when he says stir up the gift. Don't be afraid to operate in your gifts, church. See, if God's gifted you, and I don't know how it is, it's in, it could be in many, many, many ways. He's gifted you, and for some reason you quit using the gift. And fear comes in. Well, I don't know if I can do that anymore. I used to pray for people to get, to get healed, and then the people died. And I just thought, man, I'm just going to quit praying for people to be healed. Now, I saw some people get healed, but I'm not going to pray anymore because I've seen people die. And God says, uh-uh, stir up the faith. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Don't be afraid to keep praying. If they die, keep praying. If you don't see what you want to see in your prayers and they're not answered the way you want to see them answered, keep praying. If you don't understand what God's doing in the situation, keep praying. Stir up the gift. Don't let it lie dormant in you. Some people, they decide at, the, if at a certain age in life that they're going to retire from Christianity. I want to use a great Greek word there, baloney. In the Hebrew, you know, is Balagna. We don't retire as Christians. Your gifts don't cease at 65 when you get Medicare. I am getting inundated with calls. Every, I'm, I'm 64, I'll be 65 in six months. And I'm, I get five or six calls from all over the country every day asking me about my part A and my part B and my part D. What happened to C? And I just, please quit calling me. I'll sign up when I'm supposed to sign up. I figured out. But it's almost like, we know you're, everybody knows I'm going to be 65 if I've ever been on the internet, I guess. But listen, 65 doesn't mean, oh, I get Medicare so I can retire. I'm getting a big check from the government. No. I don't care if you're a millionaire or if you're broke. We don't retire. You keep living for Christ. You keep using the gifts. Man, you keep using your gifts until you die. Boldness. Timothy lacked boldness. And Paul kept... In First and Second Timothy, Paul spoke to Timothy's fear and his, his timidity and his shyness 25 different times. So you think Timothy had it all together? No. He didn't have it all together. He said, stir up the gift, Timothy. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. For God doesn't, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Here's what you need to know about this, that verse. You need to know, first of all, that God didn't give you the spirit of fear. You just need to know that. Anybody have fear issues? Raise your hand. Come on. Be honest. Anybody ever had them? Didn't have any more? Still, you've had fear issues. I have a fear of no heights. Wow, fears, all kinds of fears. How many of you have a fear of public speaking? Stand up if you had a fear of public speaking. <laughs> all right, we're going to get microphones to each one of you. Maybe seated. Public speaking, like when the teacher asks you to get in front of the class and your, your brain just goes to putty. Uh, 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 uh. Right? 
a fear of public speaking. But what if God calls you to be a preacher? Do you think God can overcome that fear in you? Because he didn't give you fear. See, if you understand that he didn't give it to you, then you shouldn't have to agree that you have it anymore. You take ownership of your fear, and then, you, man, the enemy's already got his thumb on you. He's already got his foot on you. You need to say, you know what? God says he didn't give me that, so it must be coming from the enemy. And I'm not agreeing with whatever the enemy wants to give me. So I said, I'm just going to give it back to him. So, number one, you need to understand God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But what did he do? He gave us a spirit of power. So when we work, we proclaim his word, we represent his kingdom, we have all the resources of the power of God behind us and in us. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. It's not just a song, it's a verse. He gave us a spirit of love. Listen, a lot of people think, if I've got the power, then I can control things. But that wasn't Jesus at all, was it? He said, I'm going to give you this power. And then he knelt down and he washed their feet. We have a power, but it's a power in, in love. And it works together beautifully with love. It works together beautifully with a servant's heart. He doesn't give you power so you can lord over people and dominate people and manipulate people. And it says, I've given you a sound mind. Man, I wish that everybody, I know some people that don't have a sound mind. Do you know people that don't have a sound mind? I'm not talking about mentally disabled. I'm just talking about people that make stupid choices. They are, they're not, you know why? Because they're not thinking in the, with the mind of Christ. They're thinking with their flesh. Well, she looks hot. Oh, I think I want to date her. I think I want to marry her. Baby, will you marry me? I'm married. I have three kids. We make dumb choices when we, get, when we quit thinking with the mind of Christ. The Bible actually says we have the mind of Christ. It's in there. Look it up. He's given us this sound mind, this mind that's calm, self-controlled, in contrast to the panic and confusion that rushes in when we're in a fearful situation. I'm telling you, when you, get, when you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to come and move your life and, and, and push the fear out, and situations arise, and you're used to panic, you used to throw up your hands, you used to scream, you used to shout, you used to do weird things, and then all of a sudden that situation comes... And you're just calm. Well, what would Jesus do here? Jesus, how would you have me respond? And Jesus, many times, you would say, I got this, Harold. This is what Timothy's going through, guys. And Paul's addressing this. So don't think that we can't go through some of these same issues. But Paul is addressing this for you this morning, not just for Timothy. We don't need to accept what God has not given us. But we do need to accept what he has given us. Boldness, boldness matters. Without it, we cannot fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Fear and timidity will keep us from using the gifts that God gives us. That's true, isn't it? You may do what, Lord? Pray for that person. Pray for them? I'm not gifted. Yes, I've already told you. You can lay the hand, your hands on them. You could pray for them. I've already told you. It's okay. Go do it. When we operate in faith, you step over there. You just lay your hands on them. You know what? Jesus loves you. He really wants to touch you today. How hard was that? Hmm? Turn to the person next to you. Say, Jesus loves you. Put your hand on him. And he wants to touch your life today. 
Anybody gripping in fear, sweaty palms? Some of you might have been uncomfortable with that. I understand. Some of you don't like people to touch you. But I'm telling you, it's okay. If you'll let God move in your life and through you, it's just that simple if you'll quit panicking and say, I can't do that. Now I want to quickly, very quickly, go through principles for raising up the next generation. Number one is to set a godly example through wisdom, faith, and love. Set a godly example through wisdom, faith, and love. 2 Timothy 1, 13-14 says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words. That is godly counsel. Which you have heard from me, Paul says, in faith and in love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Parents, don't blow your kids off when they're asking you a question. If you blow them off enough times, they'll quit coming and ask you. If you see that there's, there's trouble, and I know kids don't like to tell you their stuff, but if, if they watch your life and they know that you're not going to condemn them, and if they know you're not going to judge them, but you're really going to do what you do in sound, with love, they're going to come to you. And then that's the time when you need to give them sound, godly advice. That's what Timothy was getting from Paul. The second thing is to teach other of teach others of God's grace. This is imparting the legacy. It's continuing the legacy. In 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's how we continue on in what we do. And that's how we see our legacy go forward. We teach. We teach and we commit it to them so that they'll commit it to somebody else. That's just how it works. But we've got to be the teachers. We've got to be the people that impart. As parents, as moms, as dads, we've got to be able to those people that impart the promises of God, the wonders of God, the mysteries of God, the joy of the Lord, the healings of God, the, all these things that He wants us to impart to our children. Listen, you want quit spending so much time trying to be their buddy, be their mentor. It's time. This, this next generation, listen, guys. I don't know if you've looked around, but the, the next generation is in trouble. And God's put it in our hands to commit to them that we're going to teach them and we're going to live it before them. The third thing is to know the Word and continue in it. Second Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself. He's talking to Timothy. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now I want to jump on down to 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 and put these together. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. You see that? His mother and his grandmother, from childhood he knows the Holy Scriptures. We're talking Old Testament here. They didn't have a New Testament. He said, listen, your, your mother and your grandmother, they've imparted the Holy Scriptures to you. And you know what the Old Testament points to? You know who it points to? Jesus Christ. 
which are made, able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If the Bible is left out of your homes, listen, you are in trouble. If the Word of God is not being read in your homes, parents, you are in trouble. Your children are in trouble. You know why? Because they don't have a foundation. And if you know anything about homes, if you ever want to build a home, you've got to have a good foundation or it'll crack and it'll split and it'll fall apart. I say this almost every Sunday. You need to be in the Word, parents. Your children need to know the Word. My dad never opened the Bible. I don't remember ever opening the Bible. But my mother, when we were children, every night, as far as I can remember, she said, get in here, get on your knees. <laughs> and she would open up that big old Bible picture book, you know, and she'd start reading about Noah and the ark. And, man, we'd want to see the pictures. And now we can, now I mentioned in church, and everybody knows about Noah's in the ark, or Moses in the ark. And they go, yeah, Moses in the ark. And I'm like, what? Because people don't know those, those, those stories anymore. Because our, our parents quit teaching them. Get back and teach them. If your kids are teenagers and they don't know the story, get the big picture book out for them too. Know the Word and continue in it. Never stop learning, Timothy. Never stop growing. Don't just learn part of the Word. Learn it all. And the fourth thing is fulfill your ministry and your calling. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Because you don't know who your kids are going to be, what they're going to be right now if your kids are little. You don't know. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. And you understand, when you read all this, you'll go back and go, oh, now I know why Paul was so adamant that he quit being afraid. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. Rebuke. How many of you don't like confrontation? How many of you don't like confrontation? Raise your hands along with me. I'm raising my hand. That's a bad trait for a pastor. I don't like confrontation. Ah, man, that's, that's why I really depend on the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, well, you know so-and-so and this and so-and-so and they need it. And, uh, and I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, you intervene. <laughs> because even if I just say, well, hey, I need you. Can you come into my office? They go, <gasps> What? Like I'm a principal of a high school where they got beaten or something. I don't know. I've never been in your office before. Do I? You know, they just get freaky. I'm not going to ask you to. When I ask you to come to my office, it's never, not never, but usually it's not. Usually it's not a bad thing. But he's telling Timothy, you're going to have to rebuke some people. I've had to rebuke some people. It's not fun. Have to be a little bit bold there. That's kind of stepping out of my comfort zone. Be bold. Sit down. We need to talk. Some of you know I've had to kind of get in your face a couple of times. Harold? Convinced, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now listen, this is serious, guys. Why he's teaching this? Why, he's, why is he telling Timothy this? He says, there's going to be a time when they're not going to want to hear the truth. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, we're going to get teachers that we like, that we agree with. 
And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. There's a lot of religions today that really are just fables. They're just fables. They're just made up. What's the one of the Christian science? Is the one the spaceship dude? Scientology, yeah. Sci- yeah, about a guy in a spaceship. Really good, really deep. Whoa. Fables. But you be watchful in all things, Timothy. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. See, that's what I want to encourage you today. Timothy was being encouraged by Paul. And Paul was his spiritual daddy. He said, listen, Timothy, enough is enough. Quit walking in fear. You've got a big job ahead of you. You've got a lot of the people depending on you. Well, your children are depending on you, parents. You've got a big job ahead of you. You've got a calling. Is Number one, just being a Christian parent. That's, that's an awesome calling because you're pouring into these souls. He's calling Timothy. He said, I want you to fulfill the ministry that God's called you to. Don't let it wane. You're going to have to go through some tough times. And I know Nero, he's going he's to kick up his heels and he's going to try to destroy the ministry. He's going to try to destroy the church because the enemy's always trying to destroy the church. And how, how does he destroy the church but through families? He divides a mom and a dad, a husband and a wife. He divides a sister and a brother. Listen, I've done funerals where sisters and brothers would not speak at this funeral of their own parents. You think the, you think the enemy isn't laughing? separating families. Some of you in here this morning, you have unforgiveness towards some of your family members and you're waiting for them to come to you. But listen, you need to go to them first. You need to make some resolutions. You need to make some resolve in your heart. I don't want to live like this. I want want to be free of that unforgiveness or that pain or that bitterness or that sorrow. You need to do some things about it, church. Amen? Somebody's amen. I want to close with this. Wouldn't it be great if you would have had a spiritual mentor like Paul? I didn't have a spiritual mentor. I had a brother-in-law, but he didn't live here most of my life. And so kind of he was a mentor to me long distance. But I didn't really have that one-on-one guy that would sit down with me and go through scriptures and teach me. I kind of had to do it on my own a lot. And then I figured out, no, I didn't either. See, Paul was my mentor too. He's your mentor too. He's teaching you. He's teaching me. And we have many mentors in the Word of God. So don't say, oh, I don't have a spiritual daddy. So what? You've got a spiritual daddy. Father God is your number one spiritual daddy. And he has many sons and many daughters. And they want to teach you. But if you don't pick that word up, you're not going to get mentored. You're not going to know. You're not going to be able to teach your children. So I want to encourage you today to get in the Word of God, to find your calling, to leave a legacy of faith, a legacy of boldness, a legacy of prayer, a legacy of the Word of God to your children, and your children's children will get it too. Amen? Would you stand? I'm so thirsty, I'm going to drink Colin's water. I'm not afraid. Even the time he put gum on the side of it. Can we have our ministry team come to the front? I just think today's a day of breakthrough for parents. Not just moms. Single parents. Adoptive parents. I think it's a day of breakthrough for you. Because some of you, you just let the enemy beat you up. 
and condemn you like, you're no good, you're not a good parent. God says, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're everything God has called you to be. You can be everything he's called you to be. He's a God of forgiveness, number one. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, today's your day to accept him. Today's your day. I mean, it's, it's an appointment, not a disappointment. Make it an appointment with God today to give him, give your life to him. Maybe you're a mom and dad here and you're struggling, man. You're struggling with your kids. You just need some godly counsel this morning. These people will give you some godly counsel. Sound doctrine, sound word. We don't, when you come for ministry, you can go to the back or to the front, kind of like communion. Uh, they'll take you to a room and actually sit down with you and, and talk with you. It's not going to be resolved in a two-minute time standing up here. We, we really want to get to know you and understand what's going on in your life. So they will continue to pray for you. I, I probably not know it, but they will. I can't keep up with all, all the prayer requests. I can't. Our intercessors are having a hard time keeping up with all of them. There's so many. But we want to pray for you. We honestly want to pray for you. And see you come to a place of victory in your life. So if that's you this morning, you need prayer. I'm just asking moms and dads. If you're struggling, if there's an issue in your family, you just need somebody to, to come alongside you and encourage you. I'm going to just ask you to step out and come. And let uh, let this, these fine folks pray with you. Front and back, we have, if they've got a little badge on, step out and come. If you need prayer this morning. If you need prayer. That's a good, that's good.